We talk with Jeff Howe from Horns 247 Sports and 104.9 The Horn FM, the flagship station in Austin, Texas. Jeff, good morning, buddy. How are you? Tom, I'm good. How are you all this morning? Tom, we, have you, uh, I haven't had a chance to talk to you since that baseball series this weekend. Have you ever been a part of a game where back-to-back games you got a an extra inning steal of home and then an extra inning grand slam and then a run roll on Sunday? Uh, no, we talked about that. <laughs> it was just wacky <laughs> all the way around. And the guy, by the way, the guy that stole home, the guy that hit the grand slam is the same dude. So, yeah. How about that? Uh, second year for, for uh, the, the staff, how different is this spring compared to last? You know, I, I think it's part of the natural progression, Tom, and I noticed this when we got a little window to watch practice on Tuesday. Uh, a, a lot less of instruction on how drills should function. You could tell the guys that have been uh, with Sark and the staff for a full year, uh, they know the practice routine. They know what to expect. So uh, it's a lot more of – I think guys are getting a lot of reps for that reason alone. Uh, just the fact that there has to be, there's less teaching of the drills and, and kind of that why part that you're trying to get established the first year. Uh, and I think, too, you know, there, there's some positions, Tom, like you know, the offensive line where there's not a lot of depth right now in the spring. You look at that and say it's a negative. But, look, those, those returning guys that are there, you know, Junior Angulao, who's played a lot of football, uh, Jake Majors at center, uh, you know, a guy like Andre Carrick at, at offensive tackle, Christian Jones is a multiple-year starter. Uh, those, those guys are getting all the reps that they want and then some. So I think it's just a good time for growth. And you could tell that the guys that are still with this thing, uh, with Sark and the staff, uh, they really – and that's look, that's not to say that you're getting complete buy-in from all, you know, 80, 90 guys on the roster because, uh, you know, college football ecosystem just doesn't work that way. But I feel like guys know what to expect. Uh, there's a standard that I think is it's, it's established and it's trying to be reached every day. Not that it is. I know Sark talked about that on Tuesday. But just, just the, the comfortability, Tom, bottom line, is I think the, the big change that we're, that we're seeing year one to year two. What is the biggest position that needs to make improvement for the Longhorns? Offensive line, defensive line, linebacker, where do you see that they need the most growth this spring? You know, that's twofold, Ward. I think you talk to most Texas fans, they would tell you the offensive line because the Texas offensive line, when you look at them man for man last year, was kind of average at best. And I think in a lot of games, when you look at when they played really good defensive fronts, you know, Arkansas, Baylor, Oklahoma State, uh, it went from average to, to below subpar to, to poor at times. But I think with the amount of skill talent on offense Texas has, and whichever guy wins the quarterback battle, whether it's Hudson Carter or Quinn Ewers, I feel like Steve Sarkeesian did this a little bit last year. I think he can mask some of the deficiencies on the offensive line to a point. They didn't mask anything very well defensively, and I think it starts up front defensively to, to answer the question, or specifically with the edges on defense. I mean, I – I looked at it last year, and, you know, Texas, you know, sacks are one of those stats that coaches will tell you is an overrated statistic, and it's overrated until you don't have enough of them, and you realize at the end of the year, boy, we really did a bad job getting pressure on the quarterback. Texas averaged 1.67 sacks per game last year. That's the lowest total this program has had since 1997. And Ben Davis, who, by the way, is no longer here, was a one-year grad transfer from Alabama. Uh, He was your sack leader with two and a half. That's the lowest total for a Texas single-season sack leader since the school started recording sacks as an official statistic in 1975. So they didn't get pressure on the quarterback, but then on the edges defensively against the run, you know, I charted towards D-gap and D-gap runs and jet sweeps to the outside. Texas uh, opponents ran 195 of those against Texas. They gave up about seven yards per carry 
on edge runs last year. So you weren't getting pressure on a quarterback. You weren't stopping the run. And when your edges are that bad with as much wide zone as people run in the Big 12 right now, that's how you end up with one of the worst defenses statistically in the history of the program. So I think it starts there, uh, at least through the first week plus of spring practice. They've rotated quite a few guys there with the first group. You know, Ovia Gofu is really the only returner there with any experience. But Justice Finkley, uh, the reviews on him as a mid-year guy transferring in from, uh, excuse me, sign, uh, signing for the state of Alabama uh, as a mid-year guy. The reviews on him have been strong. Uh, they've also got some young guys like you know Prince Dorba who they signed out of Highland Park a few years ago. Uh, David Abiar is a kid they took from the Dallas area uh, was one of the, the lone high school signees Sark, Sark got after he took the job. Uh, they've so they've got some young guys in the system. Baron Sorrell was a guy that played a little bit last year as a true freshman. They've got some guys that just haven't played. I mean it's not it's not like you, know, you don't know if these you know you know it's not like you've seen these guys play and you question the ability. You just haven't seen these guys. You don't know what's there. So I think this spring. And I asked Sark about it uh, on Tuesday. He said he does see a little bit of sense of urgency from those guys on the edge that, that had to, you know, just kind of stand there and watch last year. Uh, there's a little bit of sense of urgency from those guys that they do sense there's an opportunity uh, to step up and take some jobs because Texas has to find a way. They've got to make do with the personnel. They've got to be better on the edges. It, 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 I almost think it can't be worse than it was last year. Jeff, let's try to go positive with this. Is this the deepest running back group in the Big 12? Um, probably. I think it's the most talented when you look at Bijan Robinson, Roshan Johnson, uh, you know, Jonathan Brooks, if he's your, you know, your number three, probably true tailback, you're in really good shape. I mean, before he injured his shoulder against Kansas last year, uh, was showing some things. It's just tough to get reps when those two guys are in front of you. Uh, Jaden Blue coming in, you know, he didn't play his senior year of high school, but coming out of his junior year, you know, 24-7 sports, we had him ranked as the number one running back prospect in the country. And then you throw in a guy like Keelan Robinson, who Bijan Robinson included, might be your most explosive playmaker on offense. Yeah, I think it's their deepest and most talented position. But I think when you look at the strength of this Texas team, I've been asked about this too, but what is the strength of the team? I just think offensive skill, period. I mean, it's not a stretch at all to say Texas has the best collection of offensive skill talent in the Big 12. When you look at that running back group, you know, Xavier Worthy coming back off a 100-catch season, you bring in Isaiah Nayor as a transfer from Wyoming. Uh, with a healthy Jordan Whittington, knock on wood, you, you've got a receiver core that uh, takes a backseat to nobody in this league. And I, I like what they've got at tight end, uh, like with the exception of Jaleel Billingsley, the Alabama transfer, uh, who was really productive playing for Steve Sarkeesian a couple of years ago. Uh, you know, Jatavian Sanders was a five-star guy coming out of Denton Ryan. Gunnar Helm might be the most well-rounded guy in that group. Uh, you know, you've got Juan Davis, a, a young kid out of Everman, who I know they're really high on. So you've got a mix of really talented young guys at that tight end position. That's why I said it almost – to me, it almost doesn't matter who the quarterback is. You feel like those, between Card or Ewers, they'll get somebody competent, and you'll be able to match some deficiencies along the offensive line just because of how elite you are at skill positions. Jeff, I care. So tell me about tell me about these two guys. I want, I want to know what's the skill set of Hudson Card and, and what's the skill set of, of, of Quinn Ewers. You, you, and about uh, you know a, a group of people, Tom, that probably reached into the seven figures. Who I care <laughs> about this quarterback battle. Um, I, I'll tell you this: the big, and again, we haven't been able to, we haven't been privy to any scrimmage situations or anything like that. But just watching these guys run through a practice together, the, the main separator between the two is Hudson Card looks like a guy that's been that's had a full year in Sark system and is entering his third full year. 
in the college program. And Quinn Ewers on Tuesday looked like a guy that was in his fourth practice at Texas and still trying to get a feel for things. I'll tell you this, uh, you know, Tommy, the I can't compare him to anybody I've seen in terms of, and talking about Quinn Ewers, in terms of just his natural ability to throw the football. I mean, there was a reason why, you know, before he left South Lake Carroll early to enroll at Ohio State, you know, 24-7 sports, he's the best quarterback prospect our national analysts had ever evaluated. I mean, and that covers, you think about the ground that covers, like Kyler Murray, uh, Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, go on down the list. Uh, our national guys hadn't seen anybody better than Quinn Ewers, and you watch him throw the football. Uh, without question, I think the most talented arm in this program since Chris Sims. And, and that, again, that covers a ton of ground. But, uh, you know, the natural ability is there. You just wonder at what point, okay, does he feel comfortable in the system? Uh, does his discomfortability being on campus, at what point does that intersect with his talent level? And, and the ex, that's why the expectation has been that he's going to win the job. But don't discount Hudson Card. I mean, again, this is a guy – you know, late in the year last year, he'd had just a, a pretty abysmal game against Kansas. Casey Thompson took the job. And Casey Thompson gets hurt in a road game, uh, the next to last game of the regular season against West Virginia. And Hudson Card came in and started to play really well. And you could tell, you could almost see his confidence building. And then late in that game, uh, he gets rolled up on and suffers a season-ending ankle injury. So you're like, man, just when this guy looked like you might have an answer, at quarterback in terms of a young guy going into the spring – now he's starting back over at square one. I think the goal, Tom, for this, and I really think Sark could find this with one of these two guys, I think you've got to come out of this quarterback battle whenever it ends with a franchise quarterback that you say, this is going to be our guy for the next two to three years, unquestionably, and you feel like you can really take off as a program. Whichever guy it is, uh, I, I think they've got a chance to do that. But I do think at the end of the day, the talent with Quinn Ewers is just so special that whenever the experience and the acclimation process, whenever it catches up to that talent level, uh, there's a lot of people outside the program, inside the program that feel like he's going to be the guy that could really take this thing to the next level. Yeah, but I know nobody on the inside of the program will admit this, but is there, do you think, in the back of their mind somewhere with this kid, the the thought that, you know, if he doesn't win this, is, is there an instability of him even sticking around because of his track record? I don't think so, Ward. And the only reason I say that is because he's already used his one-time transfer rule. So if he were to leave somewhere, now you unless you graduate, now you've got to go wherever you go. Now you've got to sit out another year. So that's kind of the, the gift and the curse of the one-time transfer rule. Yeah, it can kind of give you a mulligan if you realize – you made the wrong decision or you're way too far away from home or there's a coaching change or whatever, uh, that's the benefit of one-time transfer. But, again, if you, you're in a situation where you lose a job, what are you going to do at that point? Are you going to have another year on the bench? And especially a guy like Quinn Ewers, who instead of playing his senior year of high school, was you know number four in the quarterback depth chart at Ohio State after C.J. Stroud won that job. Uh, what are you really doing at that point, and how far behind the eight ball are you, talent aside, just in terms of getting experience? So I haven't heard that word. I don't, and I don't think that's uh, that's top of mind for anybody uh, on the forty acres right now. I, I think, I think the biggest thing in terms of that aspect of it is in terms of getting acclimated to the program, uh, being around the guys, enjoying being at Texas. Look. This is where Quinn Ewers always wanted to be. I just think there were some disagreements, and, and you know, you can go back to when he decommitted from, from the program right around that loss to Oklahoma during the 2020 season. I think the trajectory of the program under Tom Herman, there were some things behind the scenes that I don't think the family liked. 
Texas was where he always wanted to be. It's just at that point in time, he didn't really have a reason to pick Texas. And then I think by the time Sark got the job uh, and got settled in, I think things were pretty far down the road with Ohio State and NIL and and the reasons why he ended up in Columbus for a semester. So uh, that said, at the end of the day, I I don't think that's in in the back of anybody's mind right now, Ward. I I think they're happy to have him here. Everything I've heard is that he's 100% happy to be at Texas right now. Jeff, how are the receivers adjusting to Brennan Marion? I think very well. You know, Andre Coleman, uh, you know, I think did did an okay job with that group. But at the end of the day, uh, I think they needed a young guy in that room. I think they needed somebody that could, quite frankly, get on the recruiting trail uh, and try to improve the level of talent. I mean, I, I shudder to think where this receiver group would be right now if Steve Sarkeesian did not have a pre-existing relationship with Xavier Worthy and they weren't able to get him from Michigan when he asked to be released from his letter of intent last spring. Uh, it, it would, you know, definitely wouldn't have had the kind of year you had last year in the pass game. And if it wasn't for Worthy after Jordan Whittington's injury, uh, your pass game probably would have been non-existent. But now, Brennan Marion, uh, a young guy, vibrant guy, really bright offensive mind. I, I think it's twofold. I think to that receiver group, uh, you know, can really vibe with guys because he played the position at a really high level at Tulsa. Uh, I think he vibes with guys on that level. But I think, too, in terms of advancing this offense, so the Texas offense wasn't bad last year, but to get over some of those rough patches to take you from being, you know, a good offense to potentially an elite offense, I think some of his concepts, and going back to the running back group, you know, his go-go offense uses a lot of two-back sets of some revolutionary stuff that he was doing at Howard and then took it to Hawaii. They didn't do it so much at Pitt, but I just think he, the way he views offense, it can really get the most out of this running back group. And I think when you look at the Texas offense, as good as B. John Robinson is, you'd like to get Roshan Johnson X number of touches per game. You'd like to get Keelan Robinson X number of touches per game in the right situation. And Jonathan Brooks is a guy that I think deserves – some touches and, and probably his ability warrants some touches. So I, I think it's actually threefold. I think the recruiting aspect of it, I think developing what's in that room, I, I think he's very trusted there and the reviews on him have been nothing but glowing to this point. And then I think three, just his innovative mind on offense, helping Sart kind of put some new twists and new spins on this thing uh, to really maximize the talent they've got at running back. Jeff, let's uh, switch gears real quick. Final thought for you. Uh, who cuts down the nets on Monday night? Oh boy! Can we just like freeze frame? Can we just freeze frame that Duke Carolina semifinal and just kind of live in that moment for the you know forty minutes on the floor, the two and a half hours we're going to watch that? Uh, I'll tell you what, Tom. I you know the way North Carolina is playing right now, and having watched a few of their tournament games, they're getting elite guard play right now, which we know wins in March. But I tell you what, if Brady Manick keeps playing the way he's playing, that's a guy we saw a lot of in the Big Twelve during his time at Oklahoma. When he's on and locked in, he, he is almost impossible to deal with on the court. So because of their guard play, because of Brady Manic being the X Factor, uh, give me the Tar Heels. All right. Uh, what are you working on for 247 Sports? Yeah, a lot of recruiting. Uh, our, our insider pieces uh, getting ready to come out here in about uh, probably about 15 minutes. Uh, some really some up-to-date information on some of the name, image, and likeness programs. Uh, that uh, some of the Texas donors have put together, got the latest on some of those collectives uh, coming together. Uh, baseball availability today, you know, series loss at Texas Tech, uh, tough loss Tuesday night at home to Texas A&M. Uh, a lot of bullpen issues, Tom, as, as you know, for Texas right now. So we'll have an av- availability with David Pierce today, uh, trying to get some of that stuff sorted out. And then a little bit of basketball stuff, you know, Chris Beard trying to put this roster together uh, for next season, not doing it from scratch. 
there's a decent chance they get Timmy Allen to come back. Uh, I think he's 50-50 right now. Marcus Carr, uh, I think there's a, I think he's kicking around the idea of maybe coming back to Texas for another year. So uh, we got you covered on all fronts uh, at Horse 24-7 right now. Jeff, as always, it is a pleasure, man. We appreciate your time. Yep, anytime, guys. Talk to you soon. Jeff Howe from Horns 247.